Hey folks, Brian here before the show starts with a little PSA. You would think that it doesn't matter what night we record the show on, it'll be about the same, right? Well, you'd be wrong. We usually record on Thursday nights, but last week both Zach and I had obligations and could not record, so we instead recorded Monday night of this week, and let me tell you, the Monday night record was uh, difficult, mainly because the internet was running so much slower than it does on Thursdays. I have no idea if there's any proof to this or if it was just circumstantial, but our internet was super slow and laggy, and so my apologies if the quality isn't very good, my apologies if there's some delay issues, we are going to be back to Thursdays from now on, and come hell or high water, we will do Thursdays to avoid this in the future. So anyway, sorry about the quality, but um, you know, we still love you, hopefully you still love us, and uh, thanks. Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. We are here to talk about DC Comics. As always, we're going to spoil some stuff, so hopefully you've read up. If you haven't read the books that came out on May 3rd, 2017, pause the podcast, go back and read them, and come back and join us for this discussion of all things DC Comics. I am Brian, with me as always are Vince and Zach, and boys, you know where we're going to start. We're going to start with The Button. The Button. So, uh, Batman number 22, written by Joshua Williamson, a surprise uh, entrant into the credits here, uh, illustrated by uh, Jason Fabok, and um, this has uh, a lot of the Flashpoint universe in it. This is this is the most of Flashpoint we've seen since the New 52 kicked off. Uh, although, was there a Flashpoint book in Convergence? I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, that was the the Superman and the Superman one that Jurgens wrote. It wasn't exactly that one had the Flashpoint world in it. Okay, I remember they were like characters that were showing up every now and then. But I don't know if that wasn't specifically Flashpoint one though. Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually can't remember. So, um, before we dive into this issue in general, did you guys have any desire to ever see anything from the Flashpoint universe again? (laughs) Canterbury Cricket. I'll say it again. (laughs) I mean, there was stuff from Flashpoint that I liked. That's not the answer to my question, though. I'll, I'll... Yeah, I'll say this, not to tip my hand, but um, I certainly didn't expect to. I actually expected it to happen, like, a lot sooner than now. Like, I I thought that, like, a few years into the New 52, we would have had, like, some kind of weird follow-up to it, but we didn't. And so, to see it coming now is kind of weird to me, I think. So, so I guess I, I I was no longer expecting it, but I had at one time been expecting it. Okay. So essentially this entire issue takes place within the Flashpoint universe. We see um, Barry and Bruce show up uh, 
in the Batcave, and they see, you know, the Thomas Wayne Batman there. He's about to be uh, killed by the joint forces of Aquaman and Wonder Woman's armies, and he essentially says to the Flash that the Flash lied to him, that the Flash said that when he went back in time that it would take away the Flashpoint universe, and that didn't happen. There was, uh, you know, there was... We don't know exactly how much time passed. Do we? Does, did they say? Like, it's, it's been two years, whatever. I don't think they have. I think but, so. Uh, but we know there's been some time that has gone on in the Flashpoint universe with, uh, you know, with the characters we had met a couple years ago. Um, overall, what did you guys think of this issue? Not everybody at once. It was fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's uh, once again. Um, it, it's a uh, it's a lot like Flash Twenty One. I feel like you know, it's it's good. It's fine, but it still doesn't. It's not as interesting as the the first issue, the Tom King issue. Yeah, I I have to say um I didn't expect like none of this none of this should work for me, okay? Like like I said, I didn't expect to want to see Flashpoint anything again. I'm not particularly interested in this idea of Thomas Wayne being around as Batman. In fact, I cringe every time they somebody suggests it for like you know, like when Batman versus Superman came out, there were people suggesting like, well, uh you know what's his name? The comedian could play uh, Thomas Wayne as Batman because he was playing Thomas Wayne in Batman vs Superman, and um, and to me that's just like I I have no interest in that idea or or those movies becoming that convoluted, and yet to quote Tom King, and yet <laughs> I uh, I ended up really liking this issue a lot, like. it's a testament to Josh Williamson because um, none of this should have worked. And yet by the end, I ended up being like, no, don't, don't separate Batman and his dad. (laughs) You know, like I ended up really buying into this, um, this father son relationship, which essentially had to be established in less than one issue because really this is their first time seeing one another for you know and and just something about the writing there was so much weight to it i completely understand why tom king gave this issue to to williamson essentially because this doesn't fit tom king's style at all um not that he can't pull off an emotional scene but like just the structure of this comic is all Williamson and, frankly, a little bit of John's, too. I think Williamson said something on Twitter about they wanted these issues to feel like Flashpoint. Like, if the first issue was supposed to feel like Watchmen, he wanted the next issues or the issues that he wrote to feel like Flashpoint when John's was writing it. And, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, Josh, I think you did one better than... Uh, than Jeff Johns did because this was um, this was the best issue of Flashpoint that there was. So um, I think that that is a good take. I think my uh, 
I, I just kind of felt a little, so here was, I guess, where maybe some of my lukewarmness stemmed from. Um, I do like the the heavy like crisis vibe going on. You know, it looks like antimatter is eating the Flashpoint universe. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's the vibe I get. And there's already been a lot of you know crisis heavy influences over the past two issues. Um, in fact, I would say I obviously like the Flashpoint influences is there. You know, wears it on a sleeve, um, but but a lot of crisis stuff as well in these Williamson issues. Uh, but I think my thing is like to go back to flashpoint to, okay. So all in one issue to find out that the flashpoint universe has still existed, that Thomas Wayne has still been there and then to have them meet and then like leave him to die all in one issue <laughs> felt a little wasted. But yeah. okay, I, I will agree with both of you here. It did feel wasted but I thought it the emotional beats worked. And if I, I I think it's rare to make the emotional beats work that fast. You know what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um I was talking with friend of the podcast, former guest, multiversity editor emeritus Walter Richardson earlier this week about this issue. And I said how I didn't really think it fit in with King's Batman run so far. And he said, well, I see why you say that, except that this answers the question from Batman number one. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, he asks if this would be a good death, and his father says no. His father says, don't die, don't be Batman. I'm not proud of you because you're Batman, I'm proud of you because you're my son. You should live life. And I was like, oh my goodness, Walt nailed it. That's, that's, it kind of does answer that question. It sort of does tie into everything that King has been doing in that one specific way. I don't think it feels like a King issue, but it sort of does answer that big question that we've been talking about, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. so this, is, this is the big issue that we've been waiting so long for that King promised. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. That was that. That was my other question. Was that? Do you think that that's what King was talking about? That is King's Batman so far about how there shouldn't be a Batman. I think that's definitely the point I've taken from it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry if I read it extra deep into that Zach but I just I I immediately interpreted it as the comic book should not exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, All right, I got I got you. Okay. I didn't want to That's I didn't the wanna, joke. Well, yeah, sorry. Thank you Rain your wolf Zing. castle. <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to step on you if you were being earnest at that. No, point. no. I mean, I I I just couldn't let that one the setup was too good to let it pass. Um <laughs> I mean, I would love to see this get explored. I actually like kind of it's it's been a, a at least at least a minute or two since I since I last since I read this issue. Full disclosure, and I I kind of forgot about this segment here at the end. Um, I would love to see Tom King's Batman book follow up on this in a significant way. 
Like, yeah, you mean you're you're talking about like Batman questioning whether he should be Batman or not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I had that same thought. I think that would be fascinating. Isn't it weird that almost every character you can think of has had that debate with himself except Batman? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, I I can't ad- I admit I haven't read every Batman story ever, but I'll take your word for it that No, I mean, I, I, neither, really neither have I. It just seems like, you know, to to take like the most boring take on Batman possible, like you know, for so many people, they've they've said this that you know that, that Bruce Wayne is the mask, right? He's really Batman. That being Batman is the most important thing to him. If all of a sudden being Batman isn't important to him, that really changes his story. Right. Yeah. And that's also a variation. I mean, if you consider that um, Tom King and Scott Snyder apparently talked a lot about Batman. I remember this from when Rebirth was first announced. Um, One of the first things Scott Snyder said was that he imparted the same advice to Tom King that Grant Morrison gave to him, which is that you have to give... If you write Batman and you're going to do a long run on Batman, you have to give him a death at some point. And if this is Tom King's eventual version of a quote-unquote death, you know... I think that that's, you know, <laughs> for all the sins that the, the book has done for a year here, um, I think that that's a really interesting way of doing it. It's much more interesting than stowing him away somewhere, you know, effectively dead. Yeah. Yeah. But we could be, they they might not pick up on that at all. So who knows? We'll, right. It'll, it'll remain to be seen. But I think... I agree with you, Zach. It would be the most interesting outcome of that particular story thread. Yeah, I agree. But and I would hope, you know, the past two like major Batman runs have had like their death moment and the replacement Batman. I would hope that there is no replacement Batman. That it's you know yeah, that it's some sort of. Um, I would almost like a look like a look into Gotham City where nobody does take his place and and what the fallout of that would be. And of course there's there's still the extended Bat family but nobody's stepping in to replace him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was I think say, that would be because we've 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 done that dance before otherwise. Yeah. It, it would be interesting say. to like it, it would be interesting to see have Batman's like core um well, I guess we already kind of did get like a Batman list Bruce Wayne and Snyder's run, but it was through, you know, like Amnesia or whatever. It would be interesting to see a Bruce who has like an existential crisis of philosophy. I've I've like thought for a while that like the most interesting Batman story would be one where he like just like becomes a pacifist and like is is completely nonviolent because he realizes that like violence is what he's just like perpetuating the violence that killed his parents or whatever. And not yeah. that that's what this would be, but something similar to where like he has just like this existential crisis and and yeah. What I was going to say though is in some ways, Ryan, were you going to say something? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like. Um, Detective Comics has kind of been Bruce training his replacements right in front of us. Yeah. 
And so maybe maybe that's how all this ties in. Maybe. Sure. But it would be weird how much it – well, I guess it wouldn't be – like it, it wouldn't affect Detective that much to take Bruce out. No. No, I mean Bat, Batwoman – it's already a pretty Batman Batwoman-centric comic the way it is. You know, I mean Bruce is always there, but yeah. You know what book would actually um, – aside from Batman, the book that would suffer the most from this would be uh, Justice League of America. Yeah, what would happen to that book? I guess, I mean, I, I could still go on as well. If, uh, honestly, it just would be... Um... Vixen and Black Canary probably taking over the leadership roles. Yeah. That... Which I'm totally down with. i okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, guys, like, as with as with anything, as with any era in comics that you could pick from, there's weaknesses to rebirth to be sure we talk about them every week you know i'd say that there's at least five issues a week that we more or less shit on right (laughs) right but how much has rebirth been like nailing it otherwise like i I, i'm sitting here thinking about the button and how it's happening across batman and the flash and how this is essentially like this could have been an event dc could have built an event around this it feels like an event. It feels like the biggest thing that's happened since Rebirth started. And yet it's a it's a like pretty restrained four issue crossover between two books with no extraneous material. And I feel like that's it's making it's making, you know, reading around the 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 general DC landscape important again, you know? Like you don't have to the the events are happening within the books and everything is connected while they're telling their own stories and they can weave in and out of this stuff seamlessly and it's really highlighting how the overall landscape of DC Rebirth is really working for me like and it shouldn't again it shouldn't like the, none of this i <laughs> i'm sorry but uh, an event around this button i could care less about and all of a sudden they're making me care well, it's also funny, like, how unimportant the button has even really been so far, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. Like, I'm, that's probably why it's working, yeah. Yeah, the button is just, like, the purest MacGuffin in that it's just, like, a thing that's there to make things happen, but it actually does nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, here's the question. Do we think next, you know, we? I think it's actually, it's next week or two weeks when we get the, the, the final installment of this. Um, and by next week, I don't mean... I believe it's two uh, weeks. Yeah, I, I believe it comes out on the seventeenth. The seventeenth. Yeah. Um, do you think we're because you know? Yeah. We, we we see the reverse flash again here, and he says, you know, he's he's seen God, and we're we're led to believe that that is, uh, that 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 is Doctor Manhattan, and you know, at the end of this issue, I'm, I'm trying to get the exact wording he says here. Um. But he essentially says, "Like, wait till they get a load of me." He says. Yeah, uh, but he says, "Like, essentially, let's let's go." Like, I know who the the power of the button belongs to, and then never face someone like me. So he's essentially running towards Doctor Manhattan, and Bruce and Barry are right on his tail. Are we gonna? I I know we've talked about this a lot, but with the events of this issue, with every, how everything is shaken out, what are the odds we get any? actual Dr. Manhattan next week. 
still think there's going to be a swerve. <laughs> yeah, I do too. See what uh, another friend of the podcast, I, uh... Greg Matasevich, said. Yeah. What he said. Uh, Greg said that I forget the name of the character. There, there's there's a speedster in the Flash universe whose first name is whose name is Blue something. Um, who yeah, is yeah. it? Shit. It's a uh, Cobalt Blue, right? Cobalt Blue. There we go. Yeah, yeah. How how it could be that, and that would be a total misdirect. And that's why there's like the blue speed force would be all over him, essentially. Uh, him being Thawne at the end of that issue. That would be such yeah, like that... a, a, a like. I, I feel like that would be a swerve that like no one would really get though or care about. Isn't isn't Eobard like his dad or something? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, Cobalt yeah, Blue is Malcolm Thawne. Yeah. Uh. I think adopted though. Maybe. I don't think it's real. Yeah. Well. Oh wait, wait. He is actually maybe Barry's twin brother. <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Okay. This is the period of Flash that I. I need to go back and reread. Here we go. Okay, yeah. So, um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm just gonna read you an excerpt from the Wikipedia page because it's just okay. too good not to. Okay. Zach has seen God. Yeah. I have. On the stormy night of May 13. Two pregnant women came to the office of Fallville, Iowa's Dr. Gilmore. However, the doctor had been drinking, and he had sent his nurse home. The child of one of the women, Charlene Thawne, had been strangled on its own umbilical cord, and Gilmore was too intoxicated to save the poor baby. However, the other woman, Nora Allen, successfully gave birth to twin boys. Gilmore, to cover up the baby's death, gave one of the twins to the Thawne family, telling the Allens that one of their children had been stillborn. The twin that remained with the Allens was named Barry, and he grew up to be the Flash. The other twin, however, was raised by the Thawnes, and he was named Malcolm. So, And that's how the American Health Care Act affects us all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More drunk doctors. Uh, so yeah, I mm, that would be weird, but I could actually see that happening now. Maybe I don't know. What if what if the end of the but what if the end game of the, of the button is essentially these like forgotten ridiculous characters like Cobalt Blue and that like fake Legion Batman that we were talking about a couple weeks ago? It's all it's all these like scattershot versions of these characters or like you know characters lost to time like that. <laughs> I'd prefer that to to Watchmen. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, we were expecting I don't know. so much Watchmen stuff, and we haven't gotten much of it yet. They're just putting the tip in, Brian. <laughs> oh, the Dio, you're a gentle lover. The big blue, t- the big blue tip. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about uh, about the button? No, I'm. I mean, I'm still. I'm still generally enjoying this. Um, 
I'm interested to see how it finishes up, obviously. But I, I feel like this may end up being more satisfying than Reborn. Yeah, I, I think it's already better. Yeah. I'm impressed with how much they're doing that doesn't feel redactive or redundant with these old stories. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Aquaman number 22, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Philippe Briones. Um, This ties up this arc. Thank goodness. (laughs) Man, what a bummer ending, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Mira Mira lays some truth on, on Arthur. Yeah. And then we get. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead, Vince. Go ahead, Brian. No, Vince, it's all you. Come on. I don't remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> just go. Just go ahead. What I was gonna say is, at you know, the very end of the issue, she sees uh, Ocean Master being freed by a man in a mysterious hood, or a, a character in a mysterious hood. It doesn't have to be a man necessarily. Were we led to believe that's Mister Oz? I've seen that online. Uh, I, didn't I didn't think, think so, that. but I've seen some folks online saying that. Wait, where? The last panel. Uh, of the last. The, the future wrath, your hour has come. First of all, I don't think like. No, I no, I think it's I. I don't think Mister Oz would be coming for wrath. I think it's this is some Aquaman centric thing. I'm sorry. For, I, I said it was Ocean Master before. It's Wrath. Don't you think? I got my uh, Aquaman villains mixed up there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Mr. Oz. I, I, I saw that online, but I think that's a little silly. I think it's just a, uh, you know, an Aquaman villain we haven't seen in a while, or perhaps a new Aquaman villain. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this arc is over because while I've, while I've really enjoyed Dan Abnett's Aquaman. We I think we've all said that this is probably the weakest. Not probably. This is the weakest arc thus far. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking forward to getting past it because I still think that this is a a book worth reading. But um, this is just not what I want. Agreed. Agreed. Anything else to add, Zach? Um, I think Zach. Oh uh, no, I'm good. I uh, I don't have anything else to add. Okay. Well, that brings us to Bane Conquest number one. Oh god! Uh, the hotly anticipated book that everybody was asking for. Literally, the entire world was asking for this book. It was the most requested comic of 2014, 15, 16, and the first half of 17. And so thank goodness it's here finally. It is about time that we got a Bane comic that had him doing all those classic Bane things like talking to a teddy bear and, you know, 
putting together a, a team of essentially Speedy Gonzalez characters that, that use Spanish in the most cliched, <laughs> terrible way possible. And, uh, Don't be a pendejo, Brian. <laughs> hey, papi. All right. Uh, God, this is bad. Uh, we should say it's written by Chuck Dixon, illustrated by Graham Nolan, the co-creators of Bane. Uh, but this book is just, I mean... This is not a good comic. Why does it exist? In fact, I would say it's a garbage comic. I'll 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 take that take. Garbage comic. What Wait. even? What is this even supposed to be? Is this? Is this? I mean, is I normally like don't really care about this stuff, but is this like after I am Bane? Is this like? Is this in continuity? Is this just like for fun? It feels like it's just an excuse to have the original creators writing as if nothing has happened in the last two decades. Yeah, I mean... That's really what it feels like. Um, that teddy bear. Yeah, I mean, I know Bobo? I... Uh, We're going to call I, him Bobo, right? Right, his name is Incontinuity Bobo. <laughs> I, I do speak to my uh, amiibos while I'm in the nude, as if they were... Um, <laughs> my therapist but uh you know that that was about the only thing in this issue that rang true to me so uh this just like this tries to play bane kind of as a hero but not in the interesting way that secret six had him as a hero i'm using hero in very very loose terms here um it also kind of makes him a villain but not in the interesting way that he's ever been a villain. I don't really know what his what his purpose is here. I don't really know what the book's purpose is. All I know is this book, uh, you know, clearly rips off the uh, the Simpsons episode with the affirmation Bobo episode, uh, with with everything down to like the bear losing an eye and all that. Like it's it's. Um, I was waiting for the Ramones to come out and sing Happy Birthday to Bane. <laughs> Uh, is this thing 12 issues is that right it is no surely not yes it is is it really it would be cancelled after 6 but it's supposed to be 12 (laughs) oh my goodness Prez couldn't make it to 12 issues but this is going to make it to 12 issues Uh... comics aren't good guys yeah Let's let's move on. Um, did anybody besides me even open Cyborg? I did. Why? I did. I'd love to talk about one thing. <laughs> because it made me laugh. Okay, there's a couple of really ridiculous things here, but go ahead, Vince. Tell us what tell us what you enjoyed. Well, it was it was fun that we got treated to an entire song from this character. There's like a Bruno Mars-esque character in this uh, in this issue, and sings an entire song, presumably called "Cyborg and Me," and it's absolutely the cringiest thing I've possibly ever read in a comic book. And you get the entire thing. Like they don't even give you. He doesn't give you like. A couple lines and then cut away. No, you no, you get the entire 
like John Semper Jr. wrote a full song, full lyrics to a full song of Cyborg and Me. Tell me, flipping through it, who's these fools gonna keep you free? (laughs) Cyborg and me, Cyborg and me. Okay, Um, I want you to sing sing the lyric, and Batman and Robin ain't Batman and Robin gonna come to your D. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta admit, I interpreted that I interpreted that incorrectly the first time I read that. I was trying to do my best James Hetfield impression, by the way. How how was my Hetfield? Any good? It, it sounded like um, Don Van Vliet is what I, oh, okay. I thought. You know, um, what's his name? Captain, Captain, Captain Beefheart. Beefheart. It's, uh, yeah, it sounded a lot like uh, uh, El Agarou. Uh, that's a, it's the highest compliment I can think of. <laughs> uh, here, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do another verse as uh, as Tom waits here. Ain't Batman or Robin gonna come to your D? <laughs> Only one's gonna save you a cyborg and me. Cyborg and me. What the fuck is this, guys? That was great. Thank you. Uh, can we also talk about. We know what John Semper Jr.'s obsession with terrible character names? Right attack! <laughs> <laughs> There's Ratatat. This book was gonna be like really like uh... all about the singularity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. By, which by the way they finally mention in this issue, and I'm like, all right, this is my shit. I'm ready for it. And then it's like a passing discussion that you know is so super surface level and probably not even it's not even the definition of the singularity that I'm <laughs> used to. to? <laughs> yeah, I'm a big singularity nut, and this is. Let's just say I didn't nut after reading this. <laughs> uh, I will say this: the most unintentionally funny thing of the week uh, is that the character that is introduced here is called Firewire, but fire is spelled like the fire uh-huh. festival, <laughs> the uh, failed Caribbean uh, <laughs> resort. <laughs> Uh, vacation slash music festival. So I just picture Firewire being this abandoned island with wild dogs all over it. <laughs> Serving you pathetic cheese sandwiches. Exactly. <laughs> topical. Top. Well, yeah. I mean, if if we are one thing, it's topical. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, boy. Was that Ja Rule? <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I, I, a girl I knew from high school claims to have slept with Ja Rule. That's interesting. I'm, I'm sure he got around. Yeah, he was living it up. He was really popular at one time. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's... I mean, I would. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's to talk the, about a good comic. Yeah, who <laughs> Deathstroke? Which is uh, undoubtedly a good comic. This book is rolling. It's, it, I mean, it's, this Twilight art, like, it was good before, but everything came together here. Like, everything came together so perfectly, and you can see, like, where it's going, and it's just so much 
goodness. <laughs> basically. Yeah, basically you're right. It is <laughs> it is very good. Um maybe I I mean I still stand by that like I think Superman is my favorite rebirth title just because it it's more in my wheelhouse and like it's just fun and happy and good Superman stuff. I mean it's not always happy, but it's always good. But this is technically the best rebirth book. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's you know one one thing that I've heard about the rebirth books is that a lot of them are are quote unquote redoing uh versions of stories we've already seen. And I don't know how valid that criticism is across the board. I mean, I can see like Jurgens is Jurgens is quite literally doing that with his run on action. Um but I don't I don't know if I would agree with that criticism of rebirth as a whole. Yeah, it's taking all these characters back to these places. It's getting them back to these status quos. But I don't think there's a whole lot of like repetition going on. But what I'll say is Deathstroke is one of the few books that feels and it's about to betray this by by doing uh, a story that supposedly harkens back to um the Judas the, um the Judas contract yeah yep uh so it's going to betray what i'm about to say but like this deathstroke run feels like a completely new story with completely new territory for the character across the board like i mean it feels so original um that it, it's it's kind of hard to believe um and and that's what makes it the most refreshing rebirth book to me you know it takes it takes who this character essentially is and builds a story around him that we the likes of which we've never seen before yeah i yeah, agree definitely it's excellent i'm excited to see where it goes next this issue did present a question that i'm not going to talk about till next week no oh. Because it ties into the issue of Titans that comes out next week. Okay. Okay. All right. But, but yeah. Um, well, I love I love the last pa- I love the last page of this issue. Uh, of, with Joe standing there like over Rose and and uh, and uh, yeah, Slade. Yeah. It's that's a really effective page, especially considering like the the two or three or four pages that came below or before it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was just about to ask a question, but then I also, I ran into the same conundrum that I think Brian is. <laughs> All here. right. We, we won't talk, we won't talk about it then. Even though this careful. is a spoilers cast. Well, yeah, but, but spoilers for, for. Yeah. It's super spoilers. <laughs> um, this uh, but man, I I love how this issue. I think some of my favorite issues of Deathstroke are the ones that tie everything together again and have all of the editor's notes saying yeah. this issue, you know. And this issue has so many notes, like going back to like you know the first like five or six issues of the book, you know, mm-hmm. 
really tying things together and and the way it kind of loops back on the finale of last issue too and um i don't know just like really great stuff having wintergreen talk to the ai wintergreen and and (laughs) that was great um the stuff with the the new and improved dr icon Mm -hmm. um and just how twisted everything is twisted so twisted amanda waller Like, like the freaking joker is here or something yeah yeah um, we've said this before, but there will be like no better comic collection published in five years than the Christopher Priest Deathstroke Omnibus. No, yeah. you're right. I'm actually thinking about. I really want to just want to make my own now. Yeah. Before Have they it. even do it. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it was. It must not have been important, but I felt like it was. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Let's uh, l- let's keep the train moving here. Oh, I remembered. Oh, I just remembered. I just remembered. I feel like this book would be a great one to revive the, the DC Secret Files concept. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. Because if any book so far in Rebirth has needed, like, you know, kind of like that encyclopedia approach to to keep track of everyone, this is the one. I don't. I, w- I would like to see a, a kind of like. Uh huh. But I, I feel like one of the benefits of this book has been that Priest and Company have been able to keep us. While while you still might need notes now and then, it's not like you're lost while reading this book. No, no, but I think I think like especially now that this, it seems like the first like act is kind of wrapping up. Yes, I would love to see some kind of like um some kind of like companion material for this book. All I'm saying is that I'm looking for more avenues for more <laughs> priest deathstroke material. Yeah. And I I've always thought that like the secret files concept was really cool and they haven't DC hasn't done a secret files I think since like I think there was a flash one right bef- in like the Jeff Johns flash run before New 52. Um, I mean, lucky I for us. One. Lucky for us, we're getting a month of a priest plotted Deathstroke event starting next week. Oh, so. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, baby. Well, that brings us to Green Arrow number two, All number right. twenty-two, rather, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Juan Ferreira, and uh, I did not love this issue. Now, me either. Man, what is it with comic books and the Four Horsemen? Yeah. <laughs> the Four Horsemen, the Nine Circles of Hell. This book's got it all. Yeah. I uh, I think there's nothing cheesier you know, than, the, uh, than uh, Cheshire, Cheshire being like, call me the White Horse of Pestilence. Like, it's so bad. It's so bad to have them have to, like, announce themselves and who, of who they are in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that um that's that subtlety that's not always present in this book. Yeah. Yeah. The art's uh, still really good though. It is. The art's good. Um I liked the I liked the little moment between Black Canary and and, and Ollie. Yeah. Um aside from that, this this feels like it's going to be a downer arc just like Aquaman had. Where like two issues in, I feel like, well, I'm just not going to care about the central conflict of this arc, I guess. And we'll just hope that you know, when we get out of it, whatever whatever's next is more interesting. Cuz I've liked this book thus far. Yeah. Um can I share with you guys something hilarious? Yeah. All right, go to the second to last page of this book. You'll see uh, Roy on the phone with, uh, with what's his name? Oh, is there stretchy pizza? No, there's not, but there's something almost <laughs> as good. <laughs> with Fife? Is that his name? With Henry. The, Henry uh, Fife, yeah. Henry Fife, yeah. So, um... You see Roy sitting there at his computer with his with his Bluetooth, uh, um, both earpiece and Bluetooth uh, keyboard there. But Vince, well, what's on what's on Roy's head? A, a, a backwards baseball cap, my friend. And, and Vince, what's sitting right next to his keyboard on the table? <laughs> Another baseball cap. My yes, friend. in case in case one falls off, I don't know why he has a second baseball cap right there. But they just can't let this, they can't let this hat thing a, go. Do, do you know, do, are you aware of the, uh, I believe it was early 90s, it might have been late 80s, uh, uh, unpopular Chevy Chase movie, Nothing But Trouble? Uh, yes. With the digital underground. So... So Humpty Hump and the Digital Underground show up in this movie, and the <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because there's one of the members of the Digital Underground band is the, like the judge. The judge tells them what their sentence is going to be because they're they they get like arrested for speeding or something, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the what the judge says is sh- so shocking to this character that he pulls off one pair of sunglasses in like shock and he's wearing he's wearing another pair underneath yeah (laughs) and for some reason of anything to remember about that movie that's the thing that sticks in my head the most and it's the thing (laughs) that i found like it's a very unfunny movie but that moment just makes me laugh every time because it's such a great visual and so i imagine that that's that's you know even that's stolen directly from airplane oh is it yeah, there's a I'm scene. Not, I'm not remembering that. There's a scene where the Robert Stack character pulls off his sunglasses to reveal another pair of sunglasses underneath. Well, him. thanks for ruining uh, nothing but trouble for me. I don't think I was the one who ruined <laughs> nothing but trouble, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it was John Candy. Um, Do not besmirch the good name of John Candy. No, no but I imagine that um, I imagine that Roy wears two hats at all times, so that if he has to throw a hat down in disgust, he's he's wearing another one on, you know, so that his dome is still covered. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a really um, labyrinthine uh, reference <laughs> to be making for a, a comic we didn't care all that much for. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, speaking of comics we didn't care all that much for, Green Lanterns number 22, <laughs> written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Ronan Cliquet. Ugh. What an inconsequential comic. Why do I keep thinking that I'm going to want to read that? Like, you know, every two weeks it comes... And I go, oh, Green Lanterns. And I don't like this book. I don't know why. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had that? Yeah. Or like, it's a book you categorically dislike. And yet, like, you see the title and you go, oh, hey. Hey, I want to like this. I I think all of us are Lanterns. You don't know if you. (laughs) I think all of us are Lantern fans at heart. So we want to like this book. Yeah, but like even after we we are certain that we're just not going to like it, like neither of you ever get that feeling, like, oh, hey, Green Lanterns. I, maybe, I, I think I get that more with Hal Jordan than with this book. Okay, okay, but so you you understand the feeling though? I think so. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. All right. So can we just outline? Yeah, I, somewhat, I probably I do get that somewhat with Hal Jordan. Um. I mean, I, I outlined some of them because I didn't. Okay, I didn't think anything in this book was bad. I just thought it was unnecessary. You don't think Kyle going "Yo, Mogo" is a bad moment? <laughs> uh, maybe I just skimmed that part and <laughs> don't remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it was bad when they land when the. Uh, when uh, that one guardian landed on the um, floating island of penises, uh-huh. I thought that that was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's and he's just like, I don't know, something about that scene felt like like a '90s comedy for children. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, yes, I don't know. Or yeah. like that somebody has been mind mind swapped and 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 they're you know oh they're gonna figure it out they're gonna figure it out no they didn't figure it out all right good or something <laughs> something dumb like that you know uh, it's the parent trap it's like the parent trap almost <laughs> sort of almost sort I, of uh, I thought the one you know you know you know what this book does Sucks. this book will sometimes have a final page that trick. No, that <laughs> it does. It do sometimes, that. Has, it sometimes has a final page that tricks you into thinking that the next issue could be interesting, even though you know it's not going to be. Like it's done that from time to time, and like this issue, like oh, Jessica's going to be training specifically with Guy, and Simon's going to be training with Kyle, and in in some parallel universe to ours that could be an interesting like oh i could see that that yeah but we just we know the comic's not going to turn out any good so so it's all for naught i mean to be fair which one of us didn't have hold on to your butts as a phrase that guy gardner would say in the first 25 issues of this book come on well of course yeah Obviously. now the, the question is is whether they wanted to you know they're going to put him with Jessica, so obviously he's going to sexually harass her at some point. But if they would have put him with Simon, he would have been racist at some point. So um, I I don't know. They had to pick 
you know, between two evils there. So now, is this is Kyle going to be Jessica's like third love interest of the new of uh, Rebirth so far? Man, I really hope so. I hope didn't weren't they teasing? Wasn't Kyle? Weren't they teasing that Kyle was going to get back with um, Soranik? Yeah, yeah, Soranik. Were Sor- they? Sorenic. I don't know. There was a. I think in the. It was last. Was it in Hal Jordan? Hal Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, last week in Hal Jordan, he was. It was something like you know, hey, I'm a Green Lantern again. We we could <laughs> we could rebirth the, uh, all the sex we were having before. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, I mean, what else do you do when you have a female Green Lantern, obviously, except pair her up with all the Green Lanterns? Yep. That's... It's a reverse harem, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're reading a harem manga now? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Tenchi Muyo? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, that famous manga I'm very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, Brian... <laughs> Let me just, let me just, I gotta pick up to speed here. You don't need to. I am very familiar with this famous manga. I am well informed <laughs> about it. So don't need I just, to even I just reference have to say it, this, though. as it is so common. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. No, go, 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 go ahead. Uh, I actually time. heard that. For that a lesson Lantern, for... I actually heard... Green Lantern was inspired by Tenchi Muyo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can for, see that. For our less informed readers, listeners, you know, those who don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of all anime that I have, why don't you tell us about... Uh... <laughs> so, so the, just all that I want to say is that so Tenchi Muyo was a, um, a harem, ma- I think, manga and anime. And the anime... <laughs> so, this is a... It's a harem show that dealt with like a bunch of uh, women, I think that they were like fairies or something, wanting to have sex with this main character, and being like totally open about it, and him being like all bashful and stuff. And they were frequently nude in this show, and yet in the anime boom of the of the mid to late nineties, uh, some genius thought that this would be something that they could put on the uh, after school anime block, the Toonami block on Cartoon Network, so it was like alongside Sailor Moon and and uh, Dragon Ball and, uh, and, and and Gundam Wing, you know, and like this harem anime that had to be so heavily edited. Like, they literally had to splice multiple episodes into one episode because they had to remove so much nudity and like references to sex that like it couldn't possibly have made I'd be interested to go back and see what that was like because it could not possibly have made for a coherent uh experience anyway uh, <laughs> I just was think I just was thinking about that since we <laughs> brought it up uh speaking of something that can never quite be a coherent experience did uh Vince did you read Harley Quinn this week I read the uh, Joker Loves Harley backup. And how was that? And, um, well, it's not good anymore, let me tell you. <laughs> it's, um... Well, that was quick. It got bad? It, yeah, it got bad, yeah. Um, it's just... Uh... I don't know. So, so Batman showed up in the last issue because Joker got horny for Batman. And, um... 
And so, of course, she showed up. And so it kind of stopped being like, I, I don't know. It didn't feel as much like the animated series anymore. And it felt more like some kind of um, mix between what Palmiati is doing, Palmiati and Connor, and like the animated series. Because like, I... I don't know. It's there's like a little bit of like dirty humor and like I I don't know. It's just it just it wasn't quite right. And um like Harley's like beating people up with her butt and it's just really really awkward and weird. And um and yeah, not great. I I don't like this comic anymore. <laughs> it's it's not good. Well, I'm I don't know what else to, to say. Speaking of comics that aren't aren't good, I think the next one's not going to be good either, right? Justice League number twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I I will... need to do something about this. Yes, I will give the book this. I feel like when this book started, I would have never given it the benefit of the doubt for having as specific of a tone as it has. Like, this book is trying to be something. I just don't like what that something is. Yeah. And I love time jump shit. That's a really keen point, yeah. I love time jump shit. I do. Um, But this is not... It's just not handled very well. No, it's not um it's not tightly written at all. Like I can I can imagine a universe where these concepts are tightly written and they end up working a lot better. Um I mean, this is from a visual standpoint. You you look at this book if if all the words were stripped away, You'd be like, oh, this is like a this is a hitch comic, you know, straight out of what you would expect from from Hitch. Like, it's a hundred percent Hitch. You know, it's just unfortunate that that extends to the script, <laughs> which is not. There's no brevity here, and so I find like the big moments or like the big concepts are getting like mired in this really clunky dialogue or this really like anytime there's something like big happening there's a character that needs like three speech bubbles to explain what they're seeing or what's going on and it's just it's too much you can see it in the art and you don't need it to be this wordy yeah am i on to something here absolutely and you would think in a way that an artist would be the most the most lean writer that you'd have because they would know that the art can do so much of the heavy lifting. But I find it's almost the, always the opposite. Many times artists that write also over explain every bit of a comic. Yeah. So I I have to say the, um, the like going back and forth in time because, like, the Flash essentially experiences the same events, like, three different times. And you see it... You see it 
in pretty much the same way three times with like subtle changes. And by the third time, I was already like, okay, I get this. <laughs> and, and I I got it, and I don't need to see this again. And it just didn't – it wasn't very additive to me either. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong there. There, there wasn't much new information given with all the repeats until the very end of the issue. Right, right, yeah. At the end, you you see – it, it was, you know, we that kind of uh, self-fulfilling prophecy thing. Mm-hmm. How many cities are going to get leveled in this book? Oh man, how is anyone even still alive? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about this issue? I mean, I like when nah. Hitch is drawing it. It looks good. I it, think it does look good. It it does. I just want I want it to be something else. Yeah. But speaking of a good comic, we have Nightwing number 20 by Tim Seeley and Javi Fernandez. Oh, They're still man. the best. Yeah. This was really good. Yep. Yeah, this this was, you know, we we kind of mentioned last time around that the book was in sort of like a a holding pattern, not that it was bad, but that it just, it didn't, from the start of the issue to the end, it didn't move things in any significant way, really. This was like all movement and all thematic depth and like just, oh, oh man. And, and what it does, what it does for the, um, the Dick and Damien relationship you know, it's. I feel like this is porn for Morrison fans. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> that last we are still page. The greatest. <laughs> we are still the greatest. Yep. Oh, God. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. Like I love. Damien comes like so close to admitting that he was worried about Dick and like. <laughs> And then, like, then he's gonna leave, and and of course, Dick gets a gets a call about some uh, some alarm that got tripped, and he's like, "Yeah, you got time for a little action before you go, Damien?" And it's just like, you know, they're gearing up to ride again, and it's just such a satisfying. Oh, and I love it. Deathwing was great. I, I love that. I love that bromance. Yeah, I didn't think Deathwing would be an interesting character in the slightest, but I really cared about Deathwing by the end of this. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. What a what a good what a good comic. And Javi Fernandez is doing just, just the best just work. Just like Oh man, his work was crazy and and who did the colors on this? Hold on, hold on. Was it uh Chris Sotomayor? Yeah. So Chris Sotomayor did the colors, and how great is the coloring in this book? Yeah, like just the like. So they're in a pretty dank place in the in the sort of the den of uh, Doctor Hurt, and yet the colors of their costumes just pop. Um, man, so good, so good. Yeah. Anything else to add? 
No, I mean, I, I've really, I've enjoyed this arc a lot. I mean, it, it is pretty much just like an ode to Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin. In in pretty much every way, but I it it doesn't it, it's it's reliance on that I don't think diminishes the project at all. I feel like even someone who hasn't read Morrison's Batman could enjoy this arc. It's interesting. It builds me. really well on Dick. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting to me how Damien has been so important to Rebirth so far. Oh, oh yeah, everything. super important. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best. He is. He's great. Uh, He's speak- the best. Around. A little Joe Esposito for you? Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, that brings us to Superman All number right. 22. Secret Empire number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Superman no, 22. No. What? Hold on. I just want to direct it. I, I know we're a DC podcast, but I want to direct everybody to the website to, for James Johnston's uh, <laughs> secret, secret Empire recaps. The Man in the Hydra Castle? Because they're incredible, and any time that that guy... Oh, The Man in the Hydra Castle. Anytime that dude writes about Marvel, it's a must-read. So, listeners, please seek that out. Yes. Sorry. That's right. Uh, but Superman 22... Written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Doug Monkey. I have to double check the in issue credits here because the cover does not credit Pat Gleason as co writer here. And I wonder oh. if this is the first issue that he is not on. Uh oh, schism. <laughs> let me let me I can scroll through too yeah. here. Um can can I can I just say that this is the first uh oh yeah he is he's co-writer. Oh, okay, okay, good. Um this is the first issue of Superman that I didn't really care all that much for. <laughs> oh, I liked this. I like I like the lowest centric issues. I I like that idea, but this just didn't I don't know. Also, like, it, this is kind of, um... This is Hot Fuzz. Ever s- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hot Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah did, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. The greater good. Um, yeah. I, I like the issues that, like, kind of play up the... We've had this, like, undercurrent of, like, creepy, like, small-town horror in this arc that it's been kind of not in the forefront, you know... But but just there, and this issue kind of focused on that, you know, in the same way that the that the uh, the John one off did, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just enjoyed that, and I like every time that Lois gets to use the the Hellbat gauntlet thing. Yeah, I, I thought this issue was okay. I, I didn't think it was great. I liked uh, a lot of the lowest stuff. I just feel like the the entire town is evil storyline has been done to death in, in across various media, and I don't know if that necessarily will add that much to this story. But we'll see. Yeah, we need to see what the what's going on there at the end with all that stuff. 
well, with, uh, you know, there are all these people that are captured, obviously. We see Damien and uh, John and Bruce and Frankenstein. And Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. And a, a bunch of folks yeah. in clown masks. Which is not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it it has kind of like a uh, a Brainiac vibe. I don't think it's Brainiac because we just had Brainiac recently over in Green Lantern. Even though it was like a Brainiac, but um, yeah, I don't think that's what this is. Wasn't there some confirmation about who the villain is? Yeah. Was there? Yeah, it's it's right there in the title too. Um the subtitle of the of this arc. Um Zach, I, I think I, I thought I sent both of you the text. Maybe and you did and maybe I just you, didn't see Yeah, it. I know you were you were super busy, so We should actually mention but, that, uh, that uh, Black Zach Dawn is, just uh, think Zach is now a graduate of pharmacy school, so congratulations, Zach. I yeah, yeah, I'm a doctor now. You all can call me Dr. Zach if you'd like. Dr. Pharma. <laughs> I don't like that. I know, I know you hate the pharma thing. <laughs> but but yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for the acknowledgement. Um but who is is it is the Manchester Black thing for real? Is that who this is? Well, if you spoilers for uh, future issues, but um Yes, it was found out that a future solicitation mentions Manchester Black hmm. as being the villain that spun out of this. So, oh, that's Back, fine, I good. guess. That's fine, I guess. <laughs> Spotted tea and all that. Well, here's the big question <laughs> of the week. Am I the only one who read Captain Adam? I Wilkerson it. You guys then missed some of the worst dialogue in comics this week. Well, it, what a wet fart this miniseries has been. So Lay, lay some of it on us, Brian. Take right. us out. So, so you, you guys remember how last issue there was that guy that was like trapped in permanent electrocution stasis? And then he was, like, pulled out of that? Sure. Okay, so, yeah. So, anyway, uh, he has... His name was Max. And, of course, now, you know, he escapes from this, uh... From this, like, Supermax prison. And he decides to take on the, uh... The name of... They start calling him, I believe it's Hypermax? Let me double-check this. It's stupid. Whatever it is. (laughs) But, um... Ultra, Ultra Max. Ultramax. Oh, because we've never heard that before. Right, yeah. And uh, so, like, every time... So, essentially, this guy doesn't know who sold him out, like, years ago to put him in prison. And so, he's going around killing all the people who he thinks might have sold him out. And every time he kills somebody, he has, like, a a gloriously cheesy one-liner. So, like... uh, so I do apologize for what? For not providing you a more elegant exit strategy as he throws her through a window. Um, there's a there's a terribly cliched hip hop artist that is uh, that 
is electrocuted, and Ultramax says, ever hear the expression, just go with the flow, and then he electrocutes him. Uh, just like horrible, horrible shit like that. Wow. I, I'm surprised uh, they didn't use a more current reference, like feel the vibration. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> Donnie D on the backup, uh, drug free, so pick your crack up. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. Hey. This sounds bad. Yeah, and I and and I I will say, is this still? This is Will Conrad too, right? Yeah. Sad that he's on two bad comics this week. Yep. What was the other one he was on? Cyborg. Cyborg. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you notice the uh, Charlton Investigations I reference? Did, I did. There. <laughs> no. Uh. So I, I, I have a, a pretty... Uh, well, hey, I bet this is the one where Dr. Manhattan shows up, though. <laughs> this is where it's going to be. Issue 6, look for it. Oh, boy. Well, folks, that does it for another installment of the DC3 cast. I think we're all pretty uh, pretty down on this week's titles, but let me tell you, next week's going to be a treat. We got the first bit of the Lazarus contract. We have Bug... The four Adventures of Forager, number one. And uh, it's going to be some good stuff there. So hopefully next week is a little bit less of a snooze than this week was. Um, but until next week, you can find us all on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And we will have an interview with Dan Abnett on the site by the time you're hearing this. So check it out. He'll be talking nice. about the uh, first bit of the Lazarus contract and uh, a little, little bit about uh, Titans in general. So until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.